Welcome to the Beyond Birth Podcast. Join us each week as we take the conversation of motherhood beyond birth. I'm your co-host, Liz Winters, a nutritional therapy practitioner, certified pre and postnatal coach, and mama. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Jenny Anderson, yoga teacher, full spectrum doula, and mama. Our hope is to inspire, educate, and empower women as they navigate pregnancy, postpartum, and parenthood with evidence-based guidance, informative interviews, and hopefully entertaining anecdotes from our perspectives as moms, entrepreneurs, and birth professionals. While you're listening, please keep in mind that the information on this podcast is for general purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another episode of the Beyond Birth Podcast. Liz here, and today I'm sitting down with Sarah Fuller of Opus Lactation. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, Liz. I'm super excited to be here today. I'm super excited to have you here. Um, you are our very first IBCLC. I'll explain well, that's, in a minute. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I'm like very excited to have this conversation. Jenny, my co-host, and I talk about um, our adventures through breastfeeding. And I yeah, say the word adventure because there's lots of ups and downs. Um, and I'm excited to have an expert on the show to really like dive into this and talk more about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd love to, I'm just going to read your bio that you sent over because I really want our listeners to know more about you and your background. So here we go. Sarah is an international board certified lactation consultant. IBCLC, and the founder of Opus Lactation. Her passions in lactation began with, or begin with early education and latching support, and dives all the way into oral anatomy and inducing lactation in situations outside of the birth parent to nursing journey. So Sarah thrives on creating individualized plans to help each family feed their baby in a way that works best for them. And I love, love, love that last sentence because, well, I'll dive into it in a second, but I just, that, like resonates with me so much. Sarah recognizes that each family has a different dynamic. She strives to help you discover the best way to feed your baby in your, in your family. Inclusivity is imperative. Preach. She works to help you trust and love your body where it is and for all the magic it is. All parents can experience intimate and healthy feeding relationship with their babies through breastfeeding, chest feeding, supplemental nursing systems, bottles, and more. I love this so much. Like this just like everything that you have right there is just so empowering for people because I feel like feeding our babies, whether we do this through, you know, more traditional chest feeding, breastfeeding or supplementing, like it's, it's so stressful, right? There's always like this, it's, you have to do it this way or this way. And if you do it this way, you're wrong. And if you do it this way, then you're wrong also. And it's just treated like this black and white issue. So I love that you really like focus on helping families find what works best for them. So good. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of the hardest points in someone's life, right? You're learning this new human. You've become kind of a new human yourself. Yeah. Like, and all of a sudden you're just supposed to like, it's supposed to be this one way. It doesn't make any sense. I, um, I remember when I was, was towards the end of my pregnancy with my daughter and I read this book about breastfeeding. So I was like, I want to be prepared. Let's figure this out. Um, and it basically described breastfeeding as this like totally natural, phenomenon that my body would just absolutely know how to do. And I would just, my daughter would magically latch and it would be so wonderful and intuitive. And it was 100% not that at all. And I know that that's some people's experience, but it just really wasn't mine. And I think another place where the book really lacked was it wasn't inclusive of different types of feeding parents and family dynamics, which is why I'm excited to have our conversation today. Cause I know that this piece is really missing from not only the, like the lactation conversation, but really the conversation around pregnancy, birth and postpartum. Yeah. I'm nodding so hard because my first experience was exactly the same. I did. I read every book on birthing and like how all the birth was going to go. What's my plan? All the things, <laughs> the lactation, like feeding my baby was normal and natural and it was just going to happen and it was going to be okay. And it was not. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that why you dove into it? Were you, what's your timeline on becoming a, um, a lactation consultant and parent? Yeah. So I became a parent just about a decade ago, which is blowing my mind. Um, I started exploring the IBCLC route after my second kiddo, who is seven and a half. Um, my first was the only one that I actually had struggles with nursing. 
Um, they were always low weight and I had a lot of pain, uh, some damage and I didn't get help. <laughs> and that's like one of my biggest regrets, you know, like if I had just gotten help would have been a whole nother story, but I mean, they're almost 10, they survived, they're happy, they're healthy. Like we did okay. Right. But, um, I was definitely just like digging my heels in. I was going to make this work no matter what. And, um, it kind of combines like a ton of things that I love to do in life. I've always loved coming up with like an individualized plan, whether it was with a best friend or in a social work situation where I was before kids or now with lactation, like nobody's the same. No one's body's the same. No one's had the same life experiences. Like it doesn't make sense to have this cookie cutter, you birth, they latch right away. Everything's great. It doesn't make any sense to me. And so to take an individual family and that baby and help them figure out how to do that dance together, you know, it's like they're learning to dance as a new couple. Oh, um, yeah. I love that. Cause they're, we're a dyad, right? Like, <clears throat> Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you are still one being together. Um, do you feel like in your, in your first postpartum experience, do you feel like that you knew help was, was available or was help readily available? Hmm. That's a really good question. I mean, I, so I worked with a midwife. I had a home birth. Um, they definitely came and like checked on me. I think there's a lot of people who think still that like pain and latching right away is normal. And so to them, it's not necessarily this like red flag, like let's check in. Um, and it certainly can be normal. It can like, what I like to tell people is if it's not getting better incrementally, we need to address it. Like, yeah, it might be a little uncomfortable at first. You've never had someone tugging at your nipples like that before. Like it's a weird thing. Your body's not used to it. That's fine. But if it's not getting better, like it should not stay painful. Right. That's a really, really good point. I remember, um, I was talking to one of my, my best friends and, and, she didn't have kids or, or she just doesn't have kids. And, um, I was attempting to nurse Edith and she was maybe like two weeks old and we were like, again, having a hell of a time. And she's like, this is so weird because you've just met her and you're basically saying, I know we've just met, but I really need you to suck on my boobs. <laughs> it's like, that really sums it yeah. up perfectly. Like it's that sense of urgency, that like really intimate relationship and this demand from your body that's already gone through like so much transformation. Yeah. And, and again, we're expected. I mean, maybe if we have a different, you know, if we went back to like our primal culture where we're all around here and we're raising kids truly like as a, as a, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. So yeah. that's, that's really not the case. We're, we're much more isolated. Yeah. Um, that's why I think your work is so incredibly valuable. Um, so, but today we're, we're going to talk about kind of different types of feeding and family dynamics and mm -hmm. your work focuses on, um, inducing lactation. Can you say, tell us what that is? Yeah. Is. <laughs> um, so, it's so exciting to me. So, um, everybody can lactate. Like that's like the bottom line. If you want to lactate for a variety of reasons, you're, you can. Now, the how easy it is certainly varies. So if you've just given birth to a baby, your body is the most primed for success with that. Um, so what happens is when we deliver the placenta, that's when our hormones, our pregnancy hormones drop, and it allows that prolactin to surge. And so that's what starts the whole process of lactation, along with latching the baby. So if you're in a different family dynamic where, say, you're adopting a baby, you used a surrogate. Um, you've got two mamas going on and you both would like to nurse, or maybe one of you doesn't who's birthing and the other does. Um, maybe you are trans. There's a whole, like a whole slew of people who might want to induce lactation that aren't going to be birthing that baby. Um, and so inducing lactation is the process that we take to help trick their body into thinking that they've birthed the baby basically without actually going through pregnancy. That's amazing. Bodies are so magical. Like, and like what a gift to be able to, yeah. to have that experience. Um, and like that chance to bond and like really be part of this process. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. So, I mean, okay. But, but how, like, how does this process work? <laughs> I understand the placenta and prolactin piece like that. I got, I've got covered. They covered that and you know, biology, we got this. Um, yeah. but on the other end of the spectrum, like how does this, 
how does this work? Yeah. So if you know, like way ahead of time, like we're going to use a surrogate is a pretty easy one because it's not like an adoption where it might fall through. Um, it's not, it, when you have a planned timeline, you can be pretty specific in your plan. There's a protocol called the Newman Goldfarb protocol that was developed by two doctors in Canada. Um, it's kind of like the main one that people look to right now. Um, there's definitely some others that are kind of trickling off and forming on their own. I like to look at it as a base plan for me when I work with clients and then we individualize it from there. Um, but you basically, you start off taking birth control with no gaps. So you basically are telling your body, hey, I'm pregnant. And then you trick it by dropping the birth control. Hey, we've delivered. And you start pumping. Um, you can use herbs during all of this. Um, there's another medication that's very controversial called Domperidone, which is not legal in the United States, unfortunately, but it's legal in dozens of other countries, including even some over-the-counter, which is fascinating and frustrating. <laughs> it did sound like the champagne for a second, so I was a little confused. Yeah, no, Domperidone. <laughs> um, so the Domperidone is actually um, a medication that was developed for stomach problems, gastro stuff, and turns out it stimulates prolactin. Um, so the FDA, people are trying to petition the FDA to work on that to see if we can get it um, approved for that, for that reason. Some people have concerns about some cardiac side effects that can happen. Um, so it's certainly not something to just like play with lightly. Um, so if anyone does want to investigate using that medication, definitely work with a doctor, work with, like, don't just do it on your own. This is like serious stuff. Um, but in a lot of countries like Canada, where this protocol was developed, that's a piece, that's a normal part of it. Um, here in the United States, we have to get a little more creative. Um, so there's other herbs that you can take. Um, and then a lot of it is just the time that it takes of pumping and convincing your body like, oh, nope, we're supposed to be doing this. Um, so during the pregnancy phase of inducing lactation, you're working to build up the breast tissue, the memory, memory stuff. Um, and then once you tell your body, I'm not pregnant anymore, that's when you actually start making the milk. So it's a, like a lot, it's, it's, it goes back to that same kind of supply and demand yes, relationship definitely. that a lot of new parents yeah. have the joy of navigating. <laughs> Yeah. And so a lot of it comes down to like, I try to tell parents to treat their pump like a baby. Mm, okay. So you're wanting to remove milk regularly and some people do really well on a schedule, right? They want to hear every three hours or, you know, sure. whatever it is, I pump for this many minutes, but also maybe, you know, you have a chunk of time, you can't do a pumping session. And so instead, you know, oh, I have this window where I'm going to do some power pumping. Mm -hmm. like a lot of these things that people who have birth babies do work just well, as well for inducing and you can use them as tools along this journey. Um, so there's just some really key pieces about like removing, trying to remove milk or act like you're removing milk in the middle of the night, which is key when you're nursing too, right? I will be find a lot of people who are dealing with low supply have, have babies that are sleeping through the night or are having their baby be bottle fed in the middle of the night. And sleep is super important. I am, you know, I am 100% on team sleep, but also, if you're worried about supply, that middle of the night removal of milk is super important. Yeah. What about for those parents who don't have the, um, I guess, luxury of this like planned timeline, right? Yeah. So adoptive parents, what does that protocol or relationship look like? Yeah, that one's a lot trickier because mental health becomes a really important piece of sure. that because it can be a long wait and sometimes things fall through. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to find yourself pumping for two years. Like nobody, nobody, especially without a baby, like to give you those happy hormones back for all the work you're putting in, like that's too much for somebody. Um, so a lot of times I like to go into it with folks, letting them know that like 100% nutrition maybe isn't going to be your goal. Um, because once you have baby and can bring them to the chest more, you know, whenever they want, that can bring the milk in. And then we can get to 100% nutrition or as close as we can. Um, but maybe not trying to be there right when baby arrives is the key thing to be able to sustain long term. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What if, so for somebody who is like, okay, this sounds like this would work for my family. What could they, 
what would you tell them to expect through this process, like both emotionally and physically? Um, I mean, go, especially if they, like, they haven't been on birth control before or, you know, mm-hmm. like you're, you're introducing a lot of different hormones and expectations and there's, you know, it's, it's so, it's so layered. Mm-hmm. It, there's so much going on. Um, it's hard. You have to really manage your expectations. Um, you know, going into it saying like my goal here, the focus here is to bond. Be able to give them some of those amazing immune um, benefits that comes from breast milk. Like here's my goals that I'm going to achieve whether or not I hit 100% supply. Um, and and then being really committed like to why you're here. Like coming coming up with your core reason for why you're doing this to begin with is key. Because if you're going to spend months on birth control feeling maybe a little weird and then dropping it all of a sudden and putting yourself into postpartum like that, it's got to be worth it. And you have to have a focus. You have to be like, these are my reasons. Because otherwise you're just going to be like, I can't, I just can't. Like it's a lot, you know? Um, It's hard enough when you're postpartum with a baby that you're staring at, you know, and you get that loving feeling and it's so amazing. And, um, but if you're just staring at a pump, like that's hard. That's a lot of hard work. <laughs> I don't so think I've ever stared to... at my pump lovingly. <laughs> right. I think you could put like a picture of, of a cute baby face on there. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's really a lot of hard work. So it's something that takes a lot of commitment and, and dedication and being really sure of why you're there. I love that. Yeah. Um, oh, I lost my question. Oh, where'd it go? What about for those? So we've talked about those who... Um, are preparing to bring a newborn home and mm-hmm. how managing expectations about what supply could look like. Maybe it's not going to be a hundred percent nutrition for baby, but it's at least something. But what about for those that are already producing milk and want to kind of increase their supply? This is one of the questions we got from one of our listeners talking about, can you almost mm-hmm. re reinduce? I don't even think that's, I don't know if that's <laughs> really how you would say it. Like reinduce lactation. Um, or does it require this kind of hormonal route, like the, like artificial hormones? Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you have birthed a baby, your body's already been through that process. Um, so really a lot of it is, is getting in with a professional, which I know a lot of folks have seen many IBCLCs, um, but really getting into like, what's going on with my body? You know, what is your, how often are you feeding baby? Is there that middle of the night? You know, like sometimes people don't know how important that middle of the night feed is. Um, You know, what herbs am I taking? There are a lot of people's bodies who do not respond well to fenugreek. And it is the number one recommended herb for lactation if you look on the internet. (laughs) You know, so for me, whenever someone talks to me about low supply, I say, well, show me your supplements. And if there's anything with fenugreek, that's the first thing we do is we drop it. Um, Fascinating. So why why do you think fenugreek is the... um... Why, do, why is it so highly recommended if it can be so detrimental? It certainly helps a lot of people. Okay. Um, it definitely is not, it's not a bad, bad herb to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some theories around like um, thyroid and some other parts of our bodies that just the way that it interacts in our bodies, some people are not in the right place to be taking it. And it's actually going to make it harder. Our bodies take care of us first before making milk, which is why people need to also eat enough calories. Um, so like if you're trying to lose weight while you're nursing and you're not eating enough calories, your body goes, Oh, well, we got to take care of us first before we can actually make milk. Um, or that, which is also what happens when you get sick. So your body goes, okay, time to heal. And so a lot of times we see milk supply drop during an illness while your body is like, Nope, we're going to heal. And then you can bounce back from that. And it's really frustrating and it can be really discouraging but it's a super normal process for our body to do to just preserve our safety first, because if you're not there, you can't take care of your baby. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, what other, you had mentioned like thyroid health and things like that, but what other systems in the body can really impact supply? Um, um, mental health is huge. Yeah. All of those hormones that come into play with that, because so this is why people like to ask about um, like beer and how that interacts with your milk supply. Cause some people say like, Oh, maybe you're supposed to have a stout and it'll help your milk supply. Um, which I mean, sure. 
it's possible there's barley in there there's you know all kinds of stuff it's it's very possible but my my main thing i think is that people relax a little bit sure we get so anxious like this is my job this is my one job i'm supposed to feed my baby and we worry about failing there's so much pressure in our culture like to be I don't even know how to word it, like to be enough and like to do it just right and to fit into this exact little box of how it's all supposed to work. And so we get so wrapped up in that that it's hard to have oxytocin when you're so stressed out and so focused on the negative flow to begin with, like has the letdown reflex. And so if you're not able to let down, it's hard for baby to like get excited about nursing and want to have long productive nursing sessions. I mean, it's like this whole feedback loop, right? So I think the number one really is like trying to learn to trust your body and taking care of your body, having a support system around you to help you get enough nutrition and sleep and all the things that you need to really be present um, and, and listening to both your body and your baby's body. Yes. I love that kind of building that big support team around you. And that was actually one of my, my next questions is, you know, how can we as support people, especially for those who are going down this, I think far more arduous road of having to induce lactation, um, show up, like what are, what are some things that we could do to really support them through this process? Um, I think a really key piece is hearing, hearing, asking what they, what they need. Um, it's really common for a partner to say like, this is really hard. You don't have to do this. And I know for me as a parent who was struggling, but like 100% committed to doing this, it just pissed me off and, and like put doubts in my head. And all I wanted was for them to say like, no, you've got this because I know you want it. Like I wanted them to hear like, this is what I want. I'm doing it. So have my back, you know? Yes. That vote of confidence is so yes. huge from your support person. Cause you're like, no so, shit, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you're inducing lactation to have a few people that you've said like, Hey, this is going to be a lot of work. And I know that I'm probably going to get really frustrated and maybe discouraged, you know? And so as a support person to instead say like, uh, are you sure it's worth all this? Or like, you know, just hearing what, what the person who's working to bring in milk really wants and like, just, just be there, just have their back. And if they don't want any more, they'll tell you. <laughs> right. Right. And going to that, are there um, types of parents, family dynamics that inducing lactation would not be ideal for? Hmm. I'm trying, I'm trying to think, do you have a, do you have like an idea in mind that? No, no, I, I'm just thinking like when we, when we're talking about, you know, not interventions in birth, but you know, any kind of, um, no, I don't, I don't actually know how to phrase this. Um, I'm just thinking if somebody's listening to this and they're going, I wonder if this would work for me mm -hmm. in our family situation. Is there anybody that you would think of in your professional opinion that you're like, if this is going on or this is going on, probably not, or definitely go talk to somebody. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, I mean, I definitely think that having professional support through like to create a personalized plan is super important and not just trying to go it on your own. Yeah. Okay. There's, I mean, there's tons of information on the internet and I'm sure people have done it successfully. I know people have done it successfully without lactation support. Um, but since we're here, you know, I mean, I know I would love to help people through that journey. Right. Um, if you are already, if you are already postpartum and struggling, I don't know that that's the best time to start. Sure. Um, but I, I'm trying to think of a time where it wouldn't be only if you have the mental space, really, right. you know, your body can probably handle it. Um, obviously if you're fighting some sort of, uh, medical issue that might cause complications with tax in your body where maybe that's not the best plan. Um, but there's nothing like immediate that comes to mind. Cool. Yeah. Um, no, my pregnancy, my own pregnancy brain is like, God, I had a thought and then it just, I just watched it like fly out the window right now on this beautiful sunny day. Well, so I, uh, I like to say that everybody can make milk. I posted it on my Instagram yeah. today. So I want to clarify what that means. Yes, please. So the only person who's probably not going to be successful at all with inducing milk, uh, lactation is, um, 
a male body that has no breast tissue. Um, so if someone has gone through hormonal treatments and has developed breast tissue, whether they were born male or not, they can produce milk. There are lots of trans stories out there about inducing milk supply, and some of them do it to feed babies. Some of them do it um, more as their process into becoming a woman and being who they really are, and it can actually help get breasts to their like full development. Um, so it's not even always about feeding a baby, which is like a whole nother thing um, to talk about, but which I think is just really fantastic that like, it doesn't matter what body you're born with. You know, if you want to have breasts, if you want to bring in milk, you can do it. And it's so cool. Like you don't have to birth a baby. You can bring in a baby from, you know, who needs a home and you can do that for them. It's just, it just makes me so happy. And like, what a cool opportunity for you to be part of that support team like to kind of make that magic happen. Like bodies are so fucking cool. Like they're so cool. They're so cool. <laughs> but I think you're, to your point, like you've talked a lot about, you know, the importance of having this mental, emotional and, you know, even nutritional support to really make sure that this is a good ex- or as best experience as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, are there things, and this, I mean, this really applies to like breastfeeding, chest feeding, induced um lactation like the whole kind of stuff all the things but are there things that we can do during pregnancy to support good lactation when baby arrives education is really important like making sure that you either read a book or take a class i think it's great to take a class with a with a lactation consultant not just someone who's teaching from a birth perspective um going going especially for folks that are having births in hospitals you find yourself surrounded by constant support but it's not necessarily going to always be the support that you want Um, and so if you don't have the information going into it to advocate for yourself um, it's just gonna you're gonna feel run over a little bit and so if you go into it knowing like i feel really strongly that pacifier use before breastfeeding is established is not a good idea if you don't know that, of course, when someone says like, here, we're going to put a pacifier in your baby's mouth, you're going to let them do it. And that's fine. Um, but having that education ahead of time to be able to say like, no, this is, this is what I want. I really want to be skin to skin right away. Um, I want to not be super stressed about latching right away. I want to just like breathe in my baby. I just want to like make that first connection and they're going to start looking when they're ready they're not starving. Like they just came out from having tons of nutrition 24 seven. Like I just want to be in it. And if you don't have that information ahead of time, um, you know, you might find yourself feeling a lot of pressure to get nutrition in your baby right away. And that can be really stressful. Um, so having some of that education ahead of time, I think is just equipping yourself and making connections with a lactation consultant ahead of time. Um, so they don't necessarily have to come visit you in the hospital or in your home, but they can right away. Um, or you can wait a couple of days, but not like trying to search on the internet at like two in the morning, three days postpartum and be like, I don't know, that person sounds trustworthy. They have a nice smile. Like <laughs> you're so tired. You're so emotional. Really? <laughs> <laughs> like to have that connection ahead of time, I think is super important, uh, which kind of brings me to the parent trip a little bit. I don't know when yeah. you wanted to talk about that, but. Um, talk about it. Yeah, so I have created an event with Olivia Spitzer of Dula Olivia called The Parent Trip. We are putting on our third one in April. Um, and Liz is going to join us and we're so excited. So excited. Um, and the whole point of The Parent Trip has, has been to bring together everyone you could ever want to meet to try to figure out who's going to support you on your journey. So we have four categories. We have pregnancy, we have birth, we have postpartum and beyond. Um, And the idea is to have, I think we have 18 different modalities. So nobody's repeating. There's one of each. It's not a competition. It's not like a who's going to hire who. It's like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to say like, how does acupuncture fit into my, my life as a parent? How does that work? Like, what does that do for me? Or, oh, there's a lactation consultant here. I actually hear that maybe it's good to have a lactation consultant like that you've met ahead of time, you know, hmm, let's meet, let's talk, let's see if we vibe. And if not, maybe they can refer you to someone who, you know, is more in their area of town or 
I don't know, the vibe's a little different. Um, but so the whole point of the parent trip is to bring people all together. It's an open house kind of format. So everyone has tables with some of their stuff from their businesses. And it's four hours. It's 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We've got April 25th and April 26th. So the first day is on the west side and the second day is on the east side. Um, the west side is going to be at Mama Space Yoga, which we're really excited about. We've switched locations for both this time around. So our east side will be at Ready, Set, Grow. And um, <clears throat> so for those four hours, you show up and you can just talk to all these people and just be like, ah, how does this work for me? Like, Tell me, tell me how I'm going to survive parenthood <laughs> because we don't live in that village anymore. Yeah. You know, you can't like walk next door and it's your sister. Right. You know, if, if you need support, you generally are calling someone on the phone and you're making an appointment and you hope that you get along and it can, <laughs> it can be really hard, you yeah. know? And so the whole goal for us was to have folks all in one spot so you can just have all those resources at your fingertips super easy it's free um, we also like to have raffle baskets to give away because we love to spoil people super fun you might win a massage you might win win some amazing like oh there was this great uh poetry book that i'm gonna forget the name of right now ah, anyway but we love to get all kinds of good stuff in those baskets and spoil these families rotten because it's just so hard you know, you're just in your little, your little house all by yourself and hopefully you have a good support system. But some people, you know, they've moved away from family and they don't, they don't have that. So I, we want to give the village back, I guess. Is the yeah. Idea. Oh, I love that. I love that kind of reframe of it. It's like your, your village is here now. And like, we don't live close to my family though. Like my family is incredibly supportive, but they are a few hours away. So again, it's not like I can go next door and like, Hey, can you watch Edith for a couple hours? You know, yeah. it's just not, that's not the, the space that we live in. What I also love about the parent trip is that it doesn't feel like, um, this huge parent resource fair where it's easy to get lost or overwhelmed, where it's mm -hmm. like a really nice size where you're like, okay, I can actually spend time and talk to these different practitioners, these different support people. And like you said, like get to know them and see if we vibe. And also like, I know so many of the practitioners in the, in these particular affairs, like we're all such a collaborative group. Like if, if we're not your people, we're going to tell you where to go. Right. Like it's again, not about competition. It's really about creating that supportive community so families get what they need through this process. Cause I think we've all in one capacity or another been through this pregnancy or postpartum or parenting <laughs> experience where we're like, we didn't have what we needed. And so it was like, yeah. let's set out and make it. So I love that you and Olivia are bringing like, bringing us all together into one room. It's going to be so awesome. I'm super excited. Super, super excited. Um, we have a couple more general lactation questions from our listeners. Can we dive into those a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So one question, one person was really talking about how to manage an overactive supply. So we have an overactive supply question and a low, lower supply question. Um, but she said that milk comes in fast and plentiful. How do I reduce my mastitis? This is terrible. <laughs> it's like, you just know that discomfort. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> um, gosh, so, so much about managing our milk supply is about removing milk. So like first thing I would have someone look at is like how, how often is baby removing milk? Because sometimes we're told like say in the hospital or from your grandma or who knows who it is, um, you know, says, oh, well, baby should only be eating every four hours. You know, they're not hungry. They're just, they just need to sleep, you know, or whatever it is. Um, and so if milk's not being removed regularly and not flowing through, that can be one of the things that causes us to get engorged, can cause mastitis, clogged ducts, all the really fun stuff. Um, and so making sure milk is moving is like number one. Um, the second thing would be making sure that baby's actually removing milk well themselves. So having someone check the latch, and then even if the latch looks good, you also need to have an oral exam done on the baby. Um, because if baby has any sort of tongue restriction or anything else going on with their oral anatomy and they're not able to remove milk efficiently, you're, you're going to end up with clogged ducts. Like it's just almost guaranteed. 
um, and you're going to feel like a, you're failing. And honestly, it's just, it's not that like, it's not that it's, it's anatomy. It's how they came out. And most of the time there's something that can be done about it. So then you can address it and move on and like have a really lovely nursing relationship. I love that so much. Um, what she kind of um, expanded on that and like talking about, like, do you pump to remove excess milk? Do you just use a haka? Do you just do the whole supply and demand trick? Mm-hmm. Trick. I yeah. never dealt with an oversupply, so like, this is very <laughs> forest me. Um, to kind of you know reduce that supply. Does that make? Am I asking this correctly? Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So if you are nursing and then pumping, you're telling your body that you actually need more milk than the baby is removing. Um, So you have to be really careful about that. You don't want to, and we actually come into this problem sometimes when folks have been told baby's not getting enough. So they do what we call triple feeding, where they nurse the baby, they pump, and the baby gets a bottle. So it's this three-step process, and it's super essential for some babies. Like I'm not discounting this as a feeding method. Um, but folks are being told to use this a lot and it can often cause oversupply. Um, and so if you're super uncomfortable and you're not feeling better after baby has nursed, you want to pump as little as possible, like to comfort, basically. Um, you can do things to help with inflammation. So you want to do in between nursing sessions, you want to do cool things rather than heat to help bring down the inflammation. And then right before nursing, then you could do something with moist heat to help get things flowing again. Um, But you don't want to do heat all the time. You don't want to just like, you know, warm everything up. Um, But yeah, the more you pump, the more more milk your body wants to make. So you're actually just making the problem worse. Um, Yeah, it's it's so individualized. Like it's it's kind of hard to overgeneralize an answer to these kinds of questions because um, everyone is going through a different routine. Everyone's body is so different. Um, So one parent with oversupply might be a response to a tongue tie, actually. Some people's bodies go the opposite direction of low supply with tongue ties and just like fire hose the milk right in them because they're like, well, this baby needs the milk. (laughs) Um, So uh, talking to someone and, you know, even if it's just like a free 15 minute like phone phone call or something just to figure out if an appointment would make sense um, is, is probably a good call. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And then I'm assuming the answer is really similar for somebody with a low supply. Can you maybe dive into, are there any, any more specifics that you'd want to share on that (laughs) end? (laughs) Um, removing milk as often as you can. Yep. Um, you know, so don't follow schedule. Um, don't wait too long. If baby, you know, Anytime that a baby is fussing, you might as well just put them to the chest and see if they want to eat. Like they'll tell you if they don't want to. Sure. Um, we babies nurse for a lot of reasons outside of nutrition. They get their hydration that way. They get comfort that way. Uh, they get their um, a bunch of immune system support that way. So anytime you think they might want to nurse, just do it. You know, like that's like my first thing. The second is drop that fenugreek if you're taking that supplement. <clears throat> Um, which you have to really look too. like almost every single mother's milk type of tea is going to have fenugreek in it. You know, it's just, and it's not good for you. Like if, if it's causing your milk supply to drop, it's not good for you. Some people it's great for. Um, but, but if it's any part of the problem, having it in that tea is not, it's not going to be generally supportive. Yeah. Um, so moringa is a is one that is doing really a lot of good work for for lactating parents um anything that brings down inflammation is great um I'm, there's one on the tip of my tongue that is escaping my brain right now and i don't have pregnancy to blame just three kids <laughs> just three kids though but you have three kids right <laughs> Let's, we can we can dive back into that um, and you're planning this huge event that's coming up very soon <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing in my brain at all. No, it's totally fine. <laughs> what about um, um, Blessed Thistle is another one that I've heard of. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, that a good that one? one? Yeah, that would be okay. helpful. I'm just throwing um, things out. <laughs> one that some do. Um, oh, let's talk about lactation cookies. <laughs> oh, let's talk about lactation cookies. <laughs> I make a mean lactation cookie. I'm not going to lie. Is it actually doing anything for anybody? Uh, eat all the lactation cookies you want. It's it's probably not the thing that's making you make more milk. Um, I I think 
having good nutrition dense food on hand, easy to pop in your mouth. I feel like that's the key to lactation cookies, right? Like a lot of times they've got some healthy fats in them. Um, they're calorie dense. They've got those carbs and, and there's something you can just like have by your nursing chair, right? Just like same with like trail mix, you know, something that's easy to just like pop in your mouth. Ooh, my body has energy. Um, so, you know, there's nothing wrong with lactation cookies. Just don't put all of your faith in them. Dang it. I make a lot of good claims about these. <laughs> They're really good. Um, what do you put in them? I'm curious. Well, uh, so I have one that has oats and one that doesn't because I have a lot of clients who like can't do any grains at all. But like okay. my, like the lactation piece, I say with air quotes around it, is that brewer's yeast. Okay. Like almonds. But yeah. I mean, yeah, if you look on, um, Oh, because my Instagram is like 90% ads at this point of like, <laughs> like you're pregnant. Let's see what we can throw your way. Oh and man. You look at all these, um, like lactation cookies that are going there. It drives me nuts because the first ingredient in most of them is sugar, mm -hmm. which cool for the calorie, like density. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're talking a lot about like, the importance of removing inflammation and right. <laughs> We want to focus that cat. It's like not the calorie count. That's the problem. But if we're just focusing on those really quick burning mm -hmm. and not necessarily nutrient dense options, it's going to be. Well, and ideally you don't want to have calories that you're going to crash from. Yeah. You know, you want to have something that's long and sustaining. Cause I mean, gosh, I I'm not nursing anymore. I, I think I added it all up. I nursed for seven years. That's the Holy last time. guacamole. Um, <laughs> I remember how ravenous you can get, you know, like you are so hungry and it's because your body's working so hard. So staying hydrated and getting food that's going to stay with you, you know, like if you, yeah. And if you need a sugary cookie once in a while, I don't care. But like the stuff that you have stashed around the house for every time that you just like have to shove something in your face right now, it probably should be the stuff that's going to last. I did almost sneeze just then. Sorry. <laughs> like make the weirdest face at you. <laughs> You're right. You know, having things that are going to like sustain the energy. So lots of healthy fats, like nuts and seeds, coconut oil, grass fed butter. If you all can tolerate dairy, like those are all really awesome mm -hmm. things to have around. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I think coming, tying back to that low supply thing real fast. Yeah. Let go of what your body's supposed to look like right now. You know, take a minute to be in this postpartum time and focus on taking the best care of your body you possibly can. And maybe that means you lose weight. Maybe it means you don't. Um, but if your body feels at all like it's in starvation mode or like it's being worked too hard, it's, it's not going to produce the amount of milk that you want. Yes. I love that reminder. Um, and that's something that we try and talk about a lot and it can be so hard because you know, like this postpartum time is so unfamiliar. So you're trying to grasp it. Anything familiar, which for a lot mm -hmm. of us is like, okay, maybe if I like fit into those jeans or I'm able to do like this particular, you know, activity again, then I'll feel more like myself. And there's like, there's yeah. like something to be said for that mental health, but at what cost to like everything else that's going on? Like the recovery time is so key. It's so key. It's so key. A dear friend of mine who helped me learn a lot about working with mamas and, and lactation um, always talks about how she found like the three key things that made her feel like her like every day. And this is like what she told her partner, right? So every day I have to take a shower. I have to walk my dog and I have to listen to NPR. <clears throat> I love that. You know, so finding those few things that just help you hone in, like these are things that are core to who I am. Like me, I need my cup of coffee every day. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. At least one, you know, don't talk to me before <laughs> just mm -hmm. warning you. No. <laughs> uh, you know so everyone has like their things like you know maybe you're really into a certain podcast and that was there before you had baby and it's still there now podcasts are great tools while nursing and you're just stuck on the couch speaking of podcasts I'm I know this cool one called beyond birth hey <laughs> mm, um you know but it's like you find those little things like I mean, maybe there's a certain sweater you know, or who knows what it is, but you can find these things that remind you of who you are that are not necessarily going to make you burn out. Right. One of my, um, one of my good friends, Casey, who's been a guest on the show said in her interview, she's like, you were a person before you were a parent and you still are that person. Like you're still that person. You're just in this different scenario. Um, so I love this concept of just coming up with three things. Like just three mm -hmm. things. That's so simple. 
I have a lot of my clients do um, this exercise where they like basically write down things again that make them feel like them, but it's like just different activities that they can do, but it can become like a much more, it's a much bigger task than just simply like, these are the three things that I'm going to do every day. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's coffee. And I yeah. tell my daughter all the time, like, you cannot whine at me before I've had my coffee. <laughs> and like, it's not even that caffeinated early coffee. On. <laughs> <laughs> it's like coffee. I want to put my eyebrows on and I want to go for a walk outside. Like these are things that make me feel like me. Yeah. <laughs> so silly, but. No, but it, it's so important though. Yeah. It's, it's like that grounding that being, it's pretty easy for us in this culture, I think, to be disconnected all the time. You know, you, you know, you watch TV or you're always listening to different podcasts, which are great, but also like they're disconnecting our mind from our body. Right. And so like having these things, like taking the time to really focus on you and what makes you feel like you and, and coming up with those things that like, you know, these are essential to who I am can help you really stay connected to yourself as you go. I mean, it's such a huge transition to become a parent. Like it's, you're becoming a whole nother, you're going through like another puberty. Have you seen that word, the matrescence word? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that so much. Like it just explains so much to me. And I saw, you know, way after I'd already become a parent, I was like, oh, that's what that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whole nother puberty. That's really fun. It's a whole other puberty. And it, it, <laughs> it's totally true. And you got to like take pieces of yourself through that transition. But I mean, damn, it's a lot. Yeah. Sarah, this has been so wonderful and I've just really enjoyed our conversation. I feel like you have really given our listeners so much to think about and um, some really excellent tips. Can you tell them where they can find you either on social media or in their inter- the internets at large um, <laughs> and also maybe where they can find more information about the parent trip if they're local to Portland? Or, yeah, for sure. Or yeah. You know, for around here. <laughs> around here, this, this area. Um, so I'm on on the internet as Opus Lactation pretty much anywhere. So Instagram and Facebook and my website is just opuslactation.com. So it's all pretty, pretty simple. And then the parent trip is the parenttrippdx.com. Perfect. And the parenttrippdx at Instagram and at Facebook. Um, we just got all that up and running this time around now that we're on our third event. We did one last spring, last October. So it's going to be kind of a two times a year sort of thing. So as pregnant bodies cycle through their phases, like you can come and check out what's, you know, oh, I'm in a new phase. Like I really want to go focus on these postpartum providers now, or, Hey, I just got pregnant. You know, I've, I have a toddler, but I just got pregnant. Like I want to go check out those pregnancy providers. And so we do it twice a year. You can come, come check it out. And um, all the information's online. We've started featuring our providers on the Facebook events. So you have to go, to the actual events for the east and the west side to learn about because we have different providers for each side. Um, so like today we featured our massage therapists. Yay! Because everybody needs a good Portland massage. isn't very big, but we don't like to cross the river. That's true. We really don't. It's a little weird. <laughs> like, oh, you're okay. Well, for me, I'm like, I'm in the northeast quadrant. And so I'm like, ah, oh, you want me to cross Burnside or go across the river? Excuse me. <laughs> only makes sense to people who live in Portland. So I'm sorry if you're listening to this, but anyway. <laughs> I, I can handle crossing Burnside, but yeah. you talk to me about crossing the river and I'm, I'm out. <laughs> are you, are you on the east side or the west side? I'm on the east side. Oh yeah. It's the way to be. Yeah. So the east side started first oh, because I'm on the, the east side. side. <laughs> yeah. Also that, but you know, we, we've heard from so many families. So I do home visits as a lactation consultant. And so I do go to the west side across the river if I, if I must. <laughs> or I'll even travel all the way to, to Newburgh or anywhere in between. Um, but, you know, you hear from folks, you know, like, I just don't know, like, how to find these people. And, you know, I, I wish there was an event like that on our side. And so Olivia decided, and I decided to try it. Cool. Yeah. So we found some amazing folks that mainly focus on the west side of the river. And, and they're all amazing. That's awesome. I think it's so needed and I'm, I'm really excited to hear more about it. So we'll link to the event in the show notes so you can check it out. And does the event cost money for people to attend? Nope. Absolutely free. Love it. That's my favorite price. Mm, me too. <laughs> free also, and a raffle basket. Also <laughs> raffle basket. 
Yeah, so the trick with the raffle baskets is you get a little passport and you go around and you visit the providers in that category. So if you want to win the pregnancy basket, you better visit all the pregnancy providers. Oh my gosh. And they give you a little stamp and then you can enter the raffle. So that's your price to enter the raffle is actually interfacing with each person in that category. You get to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> Say hi. You don't even have to, you're like, eh, I'm not in a massage. Don't touch, don't touch my body. That's okay. That's okay. So go just, be like, just be like, hi, can I have a stamp? Nice to meet you. They'll you totally can just make a new friend, right? That yeah. could be good. <laughs> They're all such nice people, I promise. They are. They are. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you so much again for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Hey all, here is an update from Liz here. Yes, I am losing my voice. But since we have recorded this episode, uh, COVID-19 has really taken off in the Northwest and that has made some changes to some of the information that we've had here. And so in an effort to keep everyone safe and healthy. Um, I wanted to let you know that the parent trip, the event that Sarah and I discussed um, during this episode is no longer going to be a physical event, but it's going to be a virtual one, which is awesome because that means that you can tune in from the comfort and safety of your own home and still connect uh, with the same providers on the same time and the same date. So be sure to be following the parenttrippdx.com for all of those updates. I also wanted to let you know that a lot of us as practitioners during this time, we often work with people in person, but now we have pivoted and Sarah is one of these amazing lactation consultants that has pivoted her practice to now offer virtual support. So you can do a 15 minute consult. You can get more support than that. Just get the support that you need during this time so that your postpartum and feeding relationship with your new babe can really feel supported. Because as you know, from this episode, that is incredibly important. So be sure that you connect with open Opus Lactation, that's opuslactation.com, or go follow Sarah on Instagram at Opus Lactation to get all of the support that you need. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you guys are staying safe and healthy and that this is just over soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beyond Birth Podcast. If you love what you're hearing, we'd be so thrilled if you'd subscribe, rate, and leave a review for our podcast wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time.